banning TikTok. <laughs> Adults just don't get it. They think it's dumb. <laughs> I Even I think it's dumb. There's a game of whack-a-mole that's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. 30 under 30 years sentences. Why so many of Forbes' young heroes face jail? Do they do this analysis of every age group? I'll see a linear regression of age versus fraud cases. Your next job interview could be judged by AI. Here's how to prepare. Your next job interview will not even give you the dignity of having a human panel <laughs> assess you. your competency. The views expressed in this podcast are our own opinions and thoughts. They do not reflect the views of our employers. This episode nearly didn't happen. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Very busy. Work-wise, what's been going on? It's grant writing season. Everything is just crazy at the moment. And there's a very famous episode of Big Bang Theory to us. I think Raj and uh, Sheldon says, oh, it's time to get to work. And they get all really amped up and Eye of the Tiger plays in the background. <laughs> but just go in the room and like stare at a whiteboard. Dun, dun, dun. It's just staring at a whiteboard. So I think it's hard to relate just how much pressure there is involved in grant writing. There's a lot of data to collate, a lot of collaborators to get on board, maybe get data from them, have them write background information on themselves and uh, you have to sell yourselves as well. There might be last minute experiments that happen when you realize when you're writing, oh, you know, this would be really good to put in the grant and then the data's not ready. So that might, mm. there might be some last minute experiments that could done. So it's kind of an all hands on deck approach. This is the science yes. or scientific grant That's writing right. process. Mm. We can't speak to the other disciplines mm. in academia that yeah. might have a different process. And it just takes up so much time. Well, it's very, very so competitive, more competitive than ever. highly, highly competitive. Most of these grants are really worthwhile of funding, but it's so competitive that only a small fraction, I think... It's, it's less than 10%. It might have been around 8% or something last year. The sector is not exactly flush with cash at the mm -hmm. moment. So everyone's trying to find ways of achieving efficiency mm -hmm. and synergies. There's nasty corporate words. And, and budget writing going on as well. Yeah, you yeah. have to basically explain why you're asking for the money and break it down. I guess we are in a white collar job mm -hmm. and with white collar jobs, it's hard to say you're physically tired, but certainly it's very mentally draining. Yes, right? And absolutely. it's at these times we wish we had prime energy drinks at our disposal. <laughs> I've spent the last couple of weeks trying to find prime energy drink, but of course it's very hard to find. Seen, I've just seen a lot of signs that it's out of stock. Well, not prime energy, prime hydration even. So just prime, having a little bit of hydration, hydration. A little yeah. bit of hydration. Just, just sort out everywhere. We're cranking. a few salts and coconut water. This is Crossover Connections with Jack Wayne. This is a podcast where we talk about science, technology, careers education how everything is connected this is episode seven. Oh, happy seventh birthday we made it to our seventh episode if it's your first time here my name is jack wayne i'm a professor and a microbiologist based in australian university i'm amanda and i'm a manager of clinical research together we have a certain amount of expertise and also a certain amount of bias if you like we know our areas mm -hmm. pretty well not well enough in some respects but as we interrogate the science news headlines it's actually quite humbling to find that we are a very small sliver of the public consciousness not many headlines actually relate to what we're doing very much so a lot a, a lot of headlines are super out of field for me and if you are a young scientist trying to make a name for yourself in your area of research odds are your area isn't going to be the thing that's really popular in the media as well so navigating ways of trying to explain your significance is a really hard exercise but aligns with all those future goals of research with grants with getting media mm -hmm. highlights and exposure in your work so hopefully this exercise will help us interrogate those skills mm -hmm. in a bit more detail and we like to open every episode now with a recurring segment called the connect where we explore previous headlines on earlier episodes of the podcast mm -hmm. to touch base on it to see if that area has expanded or 
progressed a little bit more since the last time we talked about it. And the first article is all about ChatGPT. ChatGPT is making up fake Guardian articles. Here's how we're responding. It's saying that one of the journalists of the Guardian was uh, contacted by a researcher about an article they had written or supposedly written. It essentially seemed like it was their work, but they could not find a, a record or a history of it anywhere. They contacted the Guardian and they were asking around, you know, has this been, you know, redacted? Has, has something happened to it? Can we not find it? But it turns out that the reference was just completely made up, but it was made up in such a way that even the journals was convinced that it may have been his work. He just couldn't find it or find a record of it. Wow. And for those of you new to the podcast and new to all the headlines mm -hmm. surrounding artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence has been happening for quite a while, mm -hmm. but it's the first one that is able to generate naturalistic human text. That is what scares people more than anything else. If it can talk and sound like a human rather mm -hmm. than if it can mm -hmm. think like a human but not show you the typical behaviors of a human. So what's The Guardian, which is a news organization right. to my mm -hmm. understanding? Mm -hmm. Maybe some of their very rigorous reporting is now going to be undermined if mm -hmm. one of their fake sources is, mm -hmm. is circulating out there and none of their journalists or editorial team has reviewed it. What's their editorial response to this? It wouldn't be unique to them, <laughs> unfortunately, but I think just that they're going to bring in more processes right and, and make sure they're keeping very detailed records of their articles and what they have written which is hard as mm -hmm. if you're an online publication i think mm -hmm. uh, especially if yeah. things aren't cached or archived in time the internet as much as we think it is eternal mm -hmm. is actually really hard and expensive to maintain one of the websites that has been a mainstay in the photographic community is called uh, digital photography review or dp review mm -hmm. and there's like 20 30 years worth of people going on these forums talking about different lenses different cameras and mm -hmm. sample pictures and all these people posting photos from different cameras over the years and it's owned by Amazon and to host this website with all of these images, as you can imagine, is quite a lot of service space. Huge amount of data. So mm. Amazon recently decided to can it and say, look, we're just going to cancel this whole website and delete everything and all these people within the photographic community. Are, we need this educational resource. How we teach photography? And it was a big campaign. And I think now they're going to say we could keep the archive, quote unquote, indefinitely. But the internet is a hard thing to track things down, believe it or not. Mm -hmm when you go back more than six to 12 months to 18 months, right? This idea of artificial intelligence making up sources is pretty well known in my area of academia. We've been talking about this idea of AI hallucinations for a while. And what it's doing is using all of the text that it's trained on to predict what a series of words should statistically be connected together in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you come up with a word or say, what's statistically the next word that would most likely come up? And it will just spit out its sentences in that way. But if it gets one of these words wrong by a little bit, then the next word statistically is going to be even more astray than mm -hmm. the first two. And it can just mm -hmm. keep going off this beaten path and they call it hallucination where they're just making out fake articles or fake sources to say this study done by 7-7-2015 is a landmark study and you look it up and it doesn't exist but it actually takes a lot of work to track that down and unless you've got a really well-trained eye mm -hmm. which almost no one on the internet has a really well-trained eye in this kind of sourcing you just get fooled by it and it's none the wiser but it's actually very dangerous for us in in academia oh, read that there's a source sure you'll often go to the original article well very often it's behind a paywall you might not be able to access the article to to read it in depth but there's a certain amount of trust if you come across a reference that it's legitimate and also if you're new to reading academic papers like most students would be mm -hmm. all of them are 
are not written for you. They're written for people that are viewed as experts in the field. So the language, the way it's written is very structured, very formal, steeped in jargon without understanding how that operates. All of them look and sound the same to you. So it's even easier to pass one of these fake sources in front of an untrained eye very true. or someone just outside of that disciplinary. It's really, really easy to fool people in this space. I would say even outside the disciplinary, like you've said, you know, if, I'm, if it's not my immediate field, there's, there's definitely a certain element of trust when you're reading something you're not super familiar with. And in our area, again, there's increasing buzz that people are using AI to write their research papers. Right. Mm-hmm. So they give the AI algorithm the data, and then, which is a bit dangerous because we don't know who owns that data then. No, I wouldn't trust putting any data out there. It's, it's changing quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Or the journals would use AI editors to vet the text. And so it's an AI versus AI at some point in time. You don't know who trusts who. A very common thing is when you submit papers for review, mm-hmm. you have to anonymize it. So it's de-identified. Yeah. And then you get reviewers' comments come back. And you also don't know who the reviewers are, ideally. So the reviewers ideally don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you ideally don't know who the mm-hmm. reviewers are. The only one who knows who any of these people are should be the editor. Mm-hmm. But the editor is an AI algorithm, then everything can go awry. Ideally, it's an, it's anonymized, but it, it never is really because even if it were, it's easy to predict. Well, in our it's area... Based on, based on the field and the subject matter, yeah. At least in our fields, there's usually... It would usually, be that often not, so... Usually a handful of experts at a certain level that can judge the merit of a work, certainly the high-profile yep, work. that's right. Mm. But what's ironic was I saw a thread on Twitter. Reviewer 2 said, you did not interpret the work of so-and-so at our 2015 correctly. You clearly misinterpreted it. This is a very, very big flaw in your understanding of the field. And of course, yeah, the author... Reviewer 2 was. There is that. Reviewer 2 could be talking about their own work. Yeah, I think so. But ironically, Reviewer 2 was talking about a paper published by that author in 2015. Oh, no, really? So they were accusing the author of misinterpreting their own work. Oh, that's hilarious. So again, is it that reviewer legitimately misinterpreted the author's interpretation of their misinterpretation? Too many loops. Or is that re- reviewed to as, as AI and it was trying to interpret... Oh, this is in the weeds I'm, about I'm this I'm just going to have that in the back of my mind. If it, anything that's critical, maybe it was just AI. Yeah, you <laughs> don't even person. understand your own work. You're this bad. You don't even understand your own work. So this is a very quickly moving space. Yeah. The next article in The Connect is relating to agricultural crime, a story of agricultural whodunit based in Australia. And it's not about bats. It's not about bats. It's not about bats. A new technology could be used to prevent and reduce agricultural crime in Australia. When we talk about research, there's always a problem at the heart of it. The hero's journey has to begin with an inciting tragic incident. You have to pitch yourself as the hero yes. who can swoop in to save the world from an existential crisis. True. And the number that I'd like to bandy here is $50 million. Now, that number might sound familiar because this was the same number bandied about Mm -hmm. for bats Mm -hmm. causing... Sorry, not bats causing wine spoilage. Sorry, don't vilify the bats. No, no, no. We're (laughs) falling into our familiar loop of vilifying bats. The previous article we read was bats could be a solution to wine spoilage Mm -hmm. because they could eat the insects. Is that right? Or eat Eat the moths. They could eat the moths. That destroy the grapevines. Grapevines, which is also described as a $50 million a year problem. $50 million. So it's a nice round number, it seems. And so the problem here that we're talking about agricultural crime Mm -hmm. is the theft of cattle or sheep or livestock. Apparently, it's a rampant problem. I had no idea. $50 million. I had no idea either. And apparently, it's a quite common problem. And if you think about it, this would have to be a very well-orchestrated 
operation to steal a bunch of livestock. I mean, it's not. Surely there's nowhere to hide. I mean. The problem is that they're on such large properties. So you might just not know until you muster them together and suddenly you've got a whole bunch less than you thought you did. Yeah, it'd have to be a very well orchestrated crime. So yes, must be someone in the know. Neither of us are mastermind criminals. Otherwise, we wouldn't no. be sitting here. We'd have better things to do with our time. Got a bunch Can't... of cattle in the backyard right now. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are guilty of this crime. First of all, we're not guilty of stealing. We're not guilty. No. Of stealing any cows. But if we were to come up with a solution to this problem. Mm -hmm. I would have thought that maybe they were microchipped. Microchipped? Some kind of GPS tracking. But apparently, sure. according to this article, it's not so common. So because traditionally, they were branded, weren't they? Shaved their fur in a very distinctive way. Maybe give them haircuts or <laughs> bleach their... I don't, I don't really know. But surely some kind of labeling of these... Yes. Of this livestock right. might help limit the extent of the problem. Mm -hmm. But if they can move them over vast geographical distances, then all this seems a bit moot. Proposed solution here is to do with facial recognition software okay. and the underlying artificial intelligence processes that might help and mm -hmm. speed up mm -hmm. the recognition. The claim here is that the nose of a cow mm -hmm. is visually distinctive or as distinctive as a human fingerprint. Okay. So if you could train a database on mm -hmm. all the cow noses you can think of, mm -hmm. kind of a really weird database to have on mm -hmm. your computers, mm -hmm. just the millions and millions of cows' mm -hmm. nose, and that's a registry. And like Face ID in our phones, you mm -hmm. can put it in the app and just scan the cow's nose mm -hmm. to see if they are one of your own. Yep. Or if they belong to someone else, perhaps coupled with a geotagging solution. Very rarely oh, yeah, is one solution going to be enough to mm. fix it. That might help deter, mm -hmm. maybe not prevent, but maybe deter the people mm -hmm. who are thinking of theft to say, look, do I give them a nose job? Or <laughs> I don't need to give all these cows <laughs> nose job. All of a sudden, I have to factor in the cows and the milk and then the nose job oh, cost. Maybe no, it's not worth my not while worth anymore. My time to, have to orchestrate this very have sophisticated. I have to become very good at rhinoplasty and, and cow rhinoplasty and <laughs> got to factor that into my budget. Got Finally, to, my vet degree is coming. To medical school, vet school. It's not worth it anymore. The calculus of the crime is now changed. We're just doing the same with the GPS tracker. You can look at if a bunch of uh, cows are outside the area they should be in or a bunch of cows are suddenly moving at once in the same direction. It's a little bit suspicious. The main reason I would talk about this article is not mm -hmm. because of cow noise jobs, but mm -hmm. because we see a lot of this type of article in the news, yes. in the science news, mm -hmm. a lot of agricultural science, a lot of outback science or yes. science that impacts people in more rural areas of mm -hmm. our countries. And I think this is true across other countries reporting on science as well. And again, it's quite separate from the kind of work we do, which is yeah, very much so. Mm. more zoomed in on that level of life, which is within test tubes or in cells, yeah. is within a traditional makeup of a lab mm -hmm. that you might think of on TV or see on TV. So this is quite interesting in the exercise that we're embarking on because we don't often talk enough about the translational impact of our work outside of the laboratory environment. If you can find a connection from your work mm -hmm. to something that impacts people in a broader community sense, mm -hmm. that is the secret source that is actually really, really difficult to do from a scientific perspective. Yep. I was at a conference and I spoke to a lot of people who work as media liaisons. Mm -hmm. right? This is okay. a conference in Canberra. So their job is to talk to the media and, and liaise between mm -hmm. academics and media. And all of them came up with the same problem pretty much to say science is one of the hardest things to talk about. Every science story is crazily different from a previous science story. Mm -hmm. We can't have a 
template that will make every science story as appealing. Mm -hmm. It's just a really tricky proposition. And this researcher has found a way of connecting his AI, agricultural, facial recognition, cow nose recognition thing, parlay into something that's a $50 million a year problem. I think that's great. And we can learn more from this kind of approach. Very unique niche, isn't it? Moving on to the next series of articles is a new segment that I'm calling The Circuit. Mm-hmm. which is all about the headlines that appealed to our interests and our overlapping thoughts over the last few weeks. And I'm going to give you a series of headlines pretty quickly now, and I want just your gut response to them. Okay. First article, Spotify abandoned something called Hurdle. Have you heard of Hurdle? No. And Hurdle here, for those listeners, is spelled H-E-A-R-D-L-E. Hurdle. You've never heard of Hurdle before? No. And look, it's only looking at how it's spelled that maybe gives a slight indication as to what it's about. Because my initial thought is just the sport, hurdling. Hurdling. Have you heard of hurdling? Well, of course. I'm not not a fool, Jack. I've heard of hurdling before. (laughs) Hurdle is the play on Wordle, which took the world by storm during the pandemic. It's solving for words. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're given a certain number of tries. Mm -hmm. Everyone globally has the same word. And everyone likes to stunt on other people to say, I got it the first go, the second go. And look, when it first came out and people were bragging about how fast they had solved it, I had no idea. It's just a bunch of... The colored boxes. Okay, great. <laughs> but it took the world by storm. It was a adult version of a guilty pleasure that mm-hmm. again they would play on their phones. Hurdle was an attempt at this, mm-hmm. and they were an independent game where they played a piece of music bit by bit mm-hmm. until you guessed what the song was. Okay. That's kind of fun. <laughs> you should um, know what the song is after yeah. you hear the whole song, but you still might not know what mm-hmm. it is. But if you can guess it earlier on mm-hmm. into the song, you get a higher score. Okay. Do you remember that radio segment that used to occur where they would have play a brief sound clip of something and you had to guess what it was? It was really obscure, like opening a bottle of whiteout or, or something oh, like that. Yeah. yeah, It's a concept that's very popular across the world. Like, mm, get, okay, guess yeah. the sound or play that sound. It, yeah. It's not just yeah. so it Australia. Like, yeah, but, it's not just an Australian yeah. context thing. It was actually on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. They Holt had to guess what the sound was with Charles. And it's a concept that is clearly very, very common in okay, radio yeah. segments. Yeah. Radio producers apparently have run out of ideas or have the same idea across the globe. Yeah. So this kind of game is very similar mm-hmm, to that. Mm-hmm. But what's happened is that it's terminated. Spotify has said, well, we are not supporting this beyond a certain date, beyond May the 5th, I believe. So Mm -hmm. if you're a really, really keen fan of Hurdle, Mm -hmm. or if it's your first time hearing of Hurdle, and you want to see if you can give them a boost in the arm, then you've got until May the 5th to have a play of it. But this is the danger with any kind of game that is more suited for Mm grown-ups. You never really know what's going to hit. Wordle probably retrospectively seems very daggy, very nerdy. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would you spend all this time playing mm-hmm. it? And probably even the makers of Wordle are trying to figure out how to Shocked. reignite <laughs> the success they had. You never really know what's going to hit, mm-hmm. especially when it's to do with mm-hmm. adults. Yeah. And people who invest in entertainment are not dummies. Mm-hmm. They are usually very, very savvy people who mm-hmm. want to get a return on investment. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to investing in entertainment, there is one reliable demo that again delivers for you if you invest and you give them what they want. And that demo is, of course... Young people. Super Mario Brothers, which was made into a movie, an mm-hmm. anime movie that came out the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's made how much money so far? It's not 50 million, is it? No, <laughs> no it hasn't made 50 million. If it made 50 million, it would be a tragedy because the budget would way, way eclipse that. It's made 500 so 500 million. million yeah. I figured it was more, but. Uh... <laughs> 
it's, it's, like, it's like the Austin Powers uh, clip where Dr. Evil comes back and says $1 million. $50 million. <laughs> I want to ask for a ransom from a whole bunch. showing our age. Of $1 million. Yeah. So it's made $500 million yeah. globally only after a couple of weeks. And okay, it's yeah. slated and on par and on mm-hmm. pace to mm-hmm. beat out all these other animated films and not become one of the biggest releases of the mm-hmm. year. And there's lots of reasons as to why you could argue it's successful, mm-hmm. whether it works as a cinematic feature. Finally, a good video game adaptation because lots of lots of video games have attempted to be made into movies and almost all of them have failed. Tomb Raider, there is Assassin's Creed, Mm -hmm. Warcraft, I think. this one's fully animated, right? So It is fully animated. Mm -hmm. My argument for why this is the most popular Mm -hmm. is that, yes, targeted for kids. A lot of the other video game movies are kind of this young adult, you know, because they can be a bit violent. Mm -hmm. The filmmaker come in and say, I want to do a gritty adaptation. I want to make them seem (laughs) like really cinematic and show the dark side of... Mm -hmm. Whereas Mario is Mario. Not to say there's no depth to to Mario, but it's like really firmly... great. Really firmly targeted for Mm -hmm. for kids. Mm -hmm. And they did it well, which they clearly did on some respect. Mm -hmm. They made a ton of money. Yes. Right? So when you're looking for entertainment, you want to hit the demo that will want to nag their parents to go buy the money. And you hopefully want the parents to also have nostalgia about their childhood absolutely i'd like to see what demographic is it's probably perfectly targeted because a lot of parents would be in the era where they grew up with super mario so it would appeal to both the parent and the child i think if you are in high school now if you're mm-hmm. 18 19 that's probably the demo that's missing it i think they didn't really grow yeah. up around super yeah, mario that's right. and if you search out in chat gpt mm-hmm. what is the most famous video game that most people would have heard of mm-hmm. it's, it's this super right. mario Brothers. Yes. it's sold 40 million yeah. copies it's been around since the 80s. I mean, yeah, most of our generation could probably sing you the little theme song, right? Yeah, the the sound effects, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Not to say that this is a property that will guarantee print money because Mm -hmm. they did try and make a live action movie of it previously. It wasn't animated uh, Mm -hmm. and it was dubbed one of the worst movies ever made. (laughs) The live action version in the 90s. I'm curious to see what else is on that list. Well, it's all subjective. It's art, Mm -hmm. right? But this made a ton of money. The thesis I'm going to present to you is that kids and young people, millennials, however you want to classify them, mm-hmm. they are simultaneously relied upon for mm-hmm. the economic engine of society. Mm-hmm. And they're also the scapegoat for every single time something remotely bad happens or some something remotely alarming. Mm-hmm. We try and blame mm-hmm. young people and we try and put all these restrictions and regulations to make their lives harder because we think they are the problem and not the solution. That's mm-hmm. my thesis for you. It's okay. never been harder mm-hmm. to be a young person mm-hmm. and I say that as someone who still likes to think I'm relatively young-spirited. Yes, okay. But I acknowledge my path is nowhere near as tricky as theirs is to come. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a pessimist on this platform. I like to provide some optimistic solutions, which we'll hope to get to towards the end. But there's a bit of pessimism up front before we get to that point because the next series of headlines all around the ways that the world has tried to blame young people for things and put limitations on what they are able to do in their Mm as of yet, quite mm-hmm. young lives. The first headline is around Jewel. Jewel to pay $462 million to six states in its largest settlement ever. Almost half a billion US dollars mm-hmm. in the settlement. And Jewel, for those of us who aren't aware, is of course a company that does many things, but their claim to fame is electronic cigarettes yep. or, or vaping. Vapes, yeah. Or e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Jewel is accused not of selling this product to teenagers. They're guilty of marketing their product right. yep. deliberately mm-hmm. and specifically mm-hmm. for young people. Yes. That's a huge settlement, half a billion dollars for the settlement. And we see millions of middle and high school students in the US smoking e-cigarettes in 2022. And of course, there's a number of vaping-related illnesses mm-hmm. that are associated with vaping and e-cigarettes. What's so 
bad about vaping and how is it different to normal cigarettes? Mm-hmm. From my understanding, the vape is just a bit of vapor. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It could be juice. It could mm-hmm. be candy. It mm-hmm. could be alcohol. It could be nicotine. Mm-hmm. Nicotine being the most common variant to my yeah. understanding. Yeah. It could be marijuana as well. So it could mm-hmm. be all sorts of things in this, in this vape pen. But at the end of the day, it forms a little bit of a vapor and you kind of look cool, I guess, smoking. But what it doesn't seem to have is the tobacco. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem to have the tobacco, which mm-hmm. people typically associate with tobacco stains and kind right, of that, yeah. that breath and the bad teeth. and. Yeah. Maybe the respiratory risk That's of so lung cool, cancer. More, more dirty association. Yeah, it's kind of marketed as sort of a cleaner, a cleaner product, isn't it? But it still has the agent that keeps people coming back, which is not just looking cool. It's Absolutely, yeah. Nicotine. Mm-hmm. And nicotine has a biological mechanism mm-hmm. and impact on mm-hmm. everyone, not just young people. Mm-hmm. What does it do to the brain? It acts through nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. So back to the receptor biology. Uh, something's binding to a receptor, it's causing a downstream change. And the ultimate effect of that is that you're having a, a dopamine release, essentially. It's dopamine addictive. is mm. one of the pleasure responses in the brain. So mm-hmm. it's telling your brain, hey, this is good mm-hmm. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And anything that triggers the dopamine responses will have the potential to invite you back. Yeah, addictive. Its effect will sort of lessen over time. You'll be taking in more usually and becoming addicted and having withdrawal symptoms when you're not using it. This Mm. is not unique to young people. No. Anyone Mm -hmm. can be addicted to Mm -hmm. anything, certainly if it triggers the dopamine receptors Mm -hmm. in your brain. But you could argue young people, their brains aren't fully formed, which is, again, very paternalistic and quite condescending. (laughs) It is, isn't it? But if their neural pathways aren't fully mapped out Mm -hmm. and they're doing these things that might Mm -hmm. incur these addictive behaviors and Mm -hmm. habits, that might not be a good idea for the long term. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the danger is that there's a lot of other chemicals that are in these vapes and... People are just starting to see the the downstream effects that that can cause due to the increase in popularity. So it's it's a large unknown and it's it's risky. This maybe is a, a mm-hmm. good example of an appropriate mm-hmm. level of caution, mm-hmm. right? Where this product is dangerous for everyone, but mm-hmm. if it's catching fire in the younger community, then maybe it does need to be more heavily regulated. Yeah. The next one is even more in the grey area, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is an Australian specific headline where we're talking about banning phones. Okay. In schools. In schools. And this is an Australian story. So our education minister has come out to say we need uh, Australia countrywide approach Mm -hmm. in consistently when and when not to ban Mm -hmm. phones Mm -hmm. in schools. How old were you when you you got your first mobile phone? I was the first year university, so first year in college. Right. And I was, I think I was 15 or 16. Okay. Mm. A a little earlier. Yeah. And... I remember I had this phone that had this blue background screen. I thought it was so great. Snake was a popular game. Nokia. Everyone, everyone had the Nokias for a while. Yeah. And it was, it was, very, Nokia, it was great because yeah, it was very affordable. Yeah, I think some teenagers brought them to class. I think mine was just in my locker at school most of the time. Now your phone's on your person all the time, right? Yeah. All, all the cool kids so. had phones in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't get mine until you. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of using your phones at school is obviously counterproductive to mm-hmm. learning. Obviously. Mm. Unless you want the students to use the phones to mm-hmm. do some kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shouldn't really be using your phones in class. Banning something often makes it seem more exciting. Mm-hmm. People trying to ban AI in schools. I yeah. think they're seeing yeah. a similar curiosity from young people say, well, mm-hmm. they're banning it. They must be banning it because it's too good. Mm-hmm. So what is it about? Actually, promotes people to use yeah. it and, and find out more about yeah. it in their own exactly. time. If you ban 
alcohol traditionally has had a very bad effect on society. I think the right kind of ban, the right kind of situation, obviously is very effective and necessary. Mm -hmm. But this is yet another instance where young people aren't the only ones that are stuck on their phones, right? Yeah, for sure. I spend way too much time on my phone. I do too. Monitoring all the analytics for all the stuff that we post on podcasts <laughs> and the YouTube channel, all the kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But just generally speaking, it's not a good thing. I always feel worse. I've got a lot of chronic shoulder and neck pain. You know, neck I'm, not pain. A, I'm not a young <laughs> person. Issues. Yeah, it's, it's not a good thing. How much time do you think you spend on your phone a day? I don't want to know. You don't want to know? A few hours, maybe. A few hours. So yeah. more than two hours, let's say. Yes, definitely. More than mm, three hours? Probably. More than four hours? <laughs> How much time do you think you spend on your phone a day? I think it's in the three-hour ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, but you can check the, the stats. Or yeah. If you really want to, you can check. I turn that off. <laughs> you turn but I'm on a computer for work, right? Yes. But But even that, that's a different kind of sitting yeah. position. It's mm. a little a little different in mm. the economics of it. I don't... Uh, yeah, I'm, I very rarely use it at work. At home, I use it a lot more. So, like, at night time and... Okay. Yeah. So, we're not... Mm. Uh, throwing stones while living in glass houses, I guess, mm. is what I'm cautioning against. Everyone is using their phone all the time. Yeah. And especially if you're an adult in mm -hmm. any kind of work environment where you need to respond to queries mm -hmm. quickly mm -hmm. or you're traveling for work, everyone's exactly. on their phones constantly, mm -hmm. maybe for more nefarious reasons than young people are using their phones for. But we don't treat the problem more broadly. Mm -hmm. We target mm -hmm. the kids. And I mean, it's such an integrated part of our work life too. I mean, a lot of it is checking emails and doing work. So you can't even order food at a restaurant without a phone these days. That's you can't right, just yeah, have a menu just, and then yeah, tell yeah. someone I want mm -hmm. this. You've got to just scan a QR mm -hmm. code and sign up for four accounts and yeah. then go into the app to pay for <laughs> using another one of four accounts. And we go, oh, great. I don't have to talk to a waiter. <laughs> so, no, just this was so, it would have been so much quicker. You're making the experience worse. Yeah. This is Actually, a... I think it's better because no one will get my order wrong. Yeah, they will. What are you talking about? They're telling you order wrong. Someone says to read it off the screen. You interpret it incorrectly, but it's not. At the way to end. They still have to read the, the thing <laughs> off the screen. And reading is a lost art yeah. in many, many parts of the world. <laughs> the policy versus perception is what mm -hmm. I'm kind of going at. I think policy has its merits. But the perception is, again, hey, you young people, mm -hmm. you can't be trusted to do the things yes. that we're doing anyway. Yeah. Another article I'm going to throw at you mm -hmm. is TikTok. Okay. In Australia, mm -hmm. in the US, mm -hmm. there's talk of banning TikTok. Mm -hmm. The reasons for that are wide and varied. Mm -hmm. You could argue it's owned by governments mm -hmm. it has some data security issues potentially mm -hmm. we don't actually know how much data it's accessing behind the scenes you can make the same argument of facebook and instagram and google mm -hmm. we don't actually mm -hmm. know how much of the data of the metadata from our phones it's scrubbing and using yeah. and selling so mm -hmm. we don't actually know mm -hmm. it has caught this flack i believe because adults just don't get it they think it's dumb <laughs> I even I think it's dumb. They watch a TikTok and they go, I don't get why they're dancing and lip syncing and miming. Right, yeah. I don't get mm -hmm. why it loops. Mm -hmm. Do I have to watch this more than once? <laughs> I don't know why You've there's extracted all of the useful information. Why is there always some music I've never heard of going on in the background, mm -hmm. but apparently millions <laughs> of other people have heard of it because it's very famous. Like such a grumpy old man right now. <laughs> That's, this is not me. This is a persona of a much older, grumpier oh, sorry. person. Okay, it's not me. All right. I, well, I'm a, I'm a TikToker. I'm a, I'm on TikTok. Yeah, I, make, I, I put are. videos mm -hmm. on TikTok, mm -hmm. but I can understand where the confusion okay. comes from. Yep. Mm -hmm. People think it's a young people thing. They think yeah, it's a waste sure. of time. Mm -hmm. And, oh, by the way, there's mm -hmm. all these potential security risks and it might be owned by a different country and okay, there yeah. could be some mm -hmm. geopolitical tension that's arising. This is something we need to ban. <laughs> young people love TikTok. 
that's the oldest thing I've ever said. <laughs> that's oldest I've ever <laughs> sounded. Those youngins. Those <laughs> It's it's popular for a reason. Okay. Yeah, of course, yeah. If you are a music record company. Mm-hmm. You have to have your artists put their stuff on TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's where all the young people are. That's where mm-hmm. the purchasing power is. We've got yep. purchasing power earlier. Every celebrity is on TikTok mm-hmm. for a reason. That's how you drive interest in mm-hmm. your products that you want young people to spend money on. You can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. But because of all these concerns and because of the perception that it's a little dumb, mm-hmm. people are trying to say, let's ban TikTok. Aside from maybe the rationale for doing it, mm-hmm. let's talk about will banning TikTok actually have the desired effects that they want it to have, which is to be more data secure, to be more protected. And they can argue, well, it's not a nationwide ban. We're proposing a ban on government devices in case the government officials are getting spied on by different countries. Shouldn't be on there in the first place. A government phone should have very, very few things on it, I yes, would argue. You, yeah. you would think. You would so, have no yeah. personal stuff on your government yeah, phone. That's right. There's an article from the conversation that mm-hmm. talks about this in detail. Mm-hmm. Conversation is one of our favorite outlets. And it talks about the effectiveness of banning, mm-hmm. well, not just TikTok, but any one app right. to try and promote mm-hmm. cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And it basically says it's a game of whack-a-mole that's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. What is the article proposing would be a better solution? Mm-hmm. Educating people on digital security and foreign interference, streamline reporting channels for data breaches, recommending use of appropriate standards on cybersecurity, strengthening cooperation between government and platforms and civil society, targeted prohibitions, which may include bans on apps that could share data with countries that might use it for foreign interference. So you could ban some apps. You maybe maybe, TikTok, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. the biggest app on the planet is one that you want to ban. <laughs> but overall, it's the social aspect That's around right. cybersecurity, mm-hmm. not the actual technology itself. That's how people are getting in. Right. It's always some kind of third party something. It's not through some kind of sophisticated hack, usually. Is it? Well, 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 I mean, well, well, it could be. It's sophisticated. It, it can <laughs> and, it, and it could be. Yeah. And the tagline is it's mm-hmm. not if, but when people yeah. will get in, if they really want to get into your systems. Yeah, that's right. There are these hackathons that people just hire the best hackers in the world to try mm-hmm. and get into a commercial mm-hmm. system. And the person who get in, gets in first gets a big prize or gets Smart. a government contract. Yeah. So people with the skills will be able to get in. Yeah. And the people who are able to get in, though, don't have to rely on the highest mm-hmm. of skill sets. Mm-hmm. And there's a very famous and accurate depiction of the whole hacking enterprise. Mm-hmm. In a series, Mr. Robot, it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite series I've seen recently. It's called Social Engineering. Mm-hmm. It's very innocuous cause. Can you just remind me what, what my uh, puppy's name was? You know, like they call up a pet service and then mm-hmm. the dog's name, of course, is the first prompt for the yeah. security yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, I'm just calling out to check the, the date of birth of my mother-in-law or something <laughs> like that. You know, like, like, oh, yeah, I think <laughs> mother-in-law lost her wallet. and we're just gonna... So it's just that these like innocuous yeah. human loopholes yeah. that they That's can extract. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can't fully protect against that. You know, it's not a of numerical not. computational yeah. problem. It's mm-hmm. a human problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and the phishing, the phishing with a pH mm. is well known. Mm-hmm. You would think, mm-hmm. but it's still so, so effective. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Amazon has tried to deliver 10 parcels to your, <laughs> to your place of residence in the last 10 minutes? And if you don't, we're going to charge you $90 to your credit card. Please click on this link. It's upsetting. Or post office or FedEx tried to drop something off earlier, mm-hmm. but to get in, they'll need your access code. Can you do that? It's so, so pervasive. Yeah, for sure. And it's just a human connection. It's very convincing looking. So instead of blaming the youngins mm. and their TikToking and their TikTokery, <laughs> their TikTokery, TikTokery for putting us like vul- at, yeah. at a vulnerable cybersecurity position mm-hmm. as a country, mm-hmm. we should take a hard long look at our own cybersecurity policy yeah, because absolutely. what 
else has happened of late? We've had data a hacks. A number of data hacks, yes. Lots and lots and lots. In Australia, mm-hmm. just to name a few, there is mm-hmm. Latitude, mm-hmm. GE Money, Coles, My Credit Cards, mm-hmm. Medibank, which is the biggest mm-hmm. private health insurer in Australia, Optus, the biggest or second biggest telecom second biggest, yeah. provider mm-hmm. in Australia, mm-hmm. Woolworths, biggest or second biggest supermarket chain in mm-hmm. Australia. Mm-hmm. All of them have been hacked. And all of them have been hacked precisely because they are the biggest or second biggest mm-hmm. vendors in this space. You could argue, surely one of these has got a good cybersecurity policy or mm-hmm. cybersecurity defense. Surely none of them would be this bad. But one by one, they yep. fall because yep. not because of the policy or their protective measures, but probably because they are the biggest and the second biggest. And yeah, often in the reports, it's like, you know, sophisticated operation, but it's through a third party username where someone had access to some system and that's how they've gotten in. So instead of doing the hard work Mm -hmm. in trying to revamp Mm -hmm. these systems and improve public awareness Mm -hmm. and have greater transparency. Mm -hmm. Let's blame the TikTokery, blame the kids. Publications in our field, you you need to pay a fee to publish your work. That's been targeted by a lot of phishing emails that say things like, dear esteemed professor, we recently read your article with interest, you know, copy and paste something in, would you like to publish in our journal? I get a lot of these emails. Mm -hmm. Um, I found recently they've changed their tact a little bit. So it used to be, dear esteemed professor, we hope you've been well. Like, oh, okay, thank you very much. That's just very nice of you to ask. But now it's more taking the tact of, we have tried to contact you multiple times and you haven't responded. Please respond to our email. We've very invited you. Yeah, that's right. To see if that tact will They're work. trying to play hardball. So. Maybe I did miss the email. What's going They're on? They're very angry. They're very angry at me. I don't know what I've done. They do. I don't think this is a good phishing scam because the number of people willing to publish in a very specific area and pay a fee to do that is exceedingly small slice of very the population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to do social engineering based on mm-hmm. being named an esteemed professor, that's actually a pretty small slice of the population. <laughs> it probably would be very high click-through rate uh, for, mm-hmm. for people in our field. Mm-hmm. But hey, they learn from the best. If they see a strategy is working, why not co-opt That's it? Right. Maybe we should start co-opting Think this. Think of a niche market. And speaking of scammery and skullduggery, mm-hmm. that brings us to this week's Whose Job Is It Anyway? Okay. Our recurring section and segment of the podcast, which talks about the latest headlines relating to jobs and employability. Mm-hmm. And this is a bit of a sobering headline again, connected to the That's whole right. theme of this episode, which is mm-hmm. the blame we disproportionately place on the younger mm-hmm. generation. Mm-hmm. And this article is all about the Forbes list of young heroes. 30 under 30 year sentences. Why so many of Forbes's young heroes face jail? This article goes through and lists a who's who mm-hmm. of very promising young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that was listed in this Forbes 30 under 30 mm-hmm. list. Did they do this analysis of every age group? Is it just Forbes? Why? Yeah, are just entrepreneurs right. more yeah. likely to be guilty of fraud, not just people know. who are yeah. young? What happened like the 40 and the 40, the 50? and the, uh, the cutoff? I want to see a covariate analysis. Oh, 31. No, I want to see a linear regression of age versus fraud cases to I see if really see. young actually, people really want to see are that. actually more guilty of fraud yeah. than the older people. So yeah. again, I think this is a flawed premise. Mm-hmm. But certainly uh, the most high profile of fraud cases Mm -hmm. seems to be falling in the lap of these young people. So it goes through and names a few of them. I won't go through all of their particular cases. Charlie Javis, she's 31. Mm -hmm. And there is a criminal charge associated with her basically inflating the number of active users of her platform, which I believe is a Mm -hmm. higher education. Which led to more investment. Yes. If they say a million people use it, but it's Mm -hmm. only 100,000, then that's Mm -hmm. fraud. Another famous example is the guy behind cryptocurrency. 
and cryptocurrency service provider, mm-hmm. if you want to say it broadly, FTX, mm-hmm. and they lost tens of billions worth right. of people's investments. And the person at the center of it is a young man who's also on the 30 under 30 list, mm-hmm. Sam Bankman Freed. And they okay. call him SBF on Twitter, right? SBF. It's that oh, hip he's got his own, he's got his own acronym. acronym, SBF. Wow. Not okay. SPF, SBF. <laughs> to understand the nature of this fraud, mm-hmm. you kind of had to understand crypto mm-hmm. and cryptocurrency. Do you know much about Bitcoin, about crypto, anything Not in that space? Not at all. Not at all. So when you hear that there's fraud mm-hmm. in this space, mm-hmm. does that innately make sense to you did it always seem like it was a little fishy or were you just yeah i just go oh okay fraud with crypto sure okay that does (laughs) does make sense i'm not an expert in this yeah this is my attempt at getting more clicks because people love nothing more online than to criticize people who criticize crypto okay everyone online is a big advocate for. i'm not criticizing it i'm just completely ignorant okay so this segment, I'm going to splice out to try and get more clicks and views for people okay. saying we are criticizing crypto without understanding anything. This I'm not is my criticizing attempt. it. I am just jealous that I do not understand it better. <laughs> this is my attempt at explaining what okay. it is to you. Please right? Explain. So if those of you who want to TikTok right. this segment to say I know nothing, please go ahead. Crypto mm-hmm. is not about what you buy with your real world money because it's an investment. You invest in an online digital asset. Okay. Yes. What you end up buying looks very silly. Like anything you buy online mm-hmm. looks potentially silly if it's not a physical product you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. So often people end up buying a JPEG, a picture of a, of a monkey, often pictures of pictures or something. It's, it's something that doesn't seem like it's worth anything. Okay. It is the receipt that you've bought something. Okay. This is a confirmation that your funds have been transferred to mm-hmm. this object. Okay, yes. Whereas if we do online transactions, mm-hmm. if we move money from our banking account to another banking account, mm-hmm. that transaction is legitimized just through the bank yeah. that gets hacked then who knows what okay. happens mm-hmm. unless your country has got security and insurance underwriting every transaction which okay. is typically yep. the case mm-hmm. so the receipt of what you've bought online is mm-hmm. the key here and that is protected by security protocols mm-hmm. right. anyway that's as much as we're going to get into it so it, okay. again it's all about investing in something where you can prove that your money is going in this direction mm-hmm. end game of crypto mm-hmm. is to make more money mm-hmm. there is no other altruistic mm-hmm. or other physical world impacts mm-hmm. money begets money there's no mm-hmm. other impact beyond mm-hmm. money on money on money mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense if you're in a, an investor but to us in in this kind of space where we are always running operations that come through at a loss to do projects that people either don't fund or don't care about the idea that would just use this to make more money which mm-hmm. can only be used to make more money mm-hmm. just seems out of our operating it's a frame concept. of reference isn't it I'm actually just thinking now this would be a great chat GPT prompt for me to just go what explain, is... explain cryptocurrency to me like I am five years old. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I think we will need to. And if... Let's go with 12. Let's go no, with... let's go with five. <laughs> Based on this, let's go with five. I am offended. <laughs> offended. To, to get people to invest, mm-hmm. often you say, well, yes, of course you'll make mm-hmm. money. But there's also this other intangible element to why you want to invest, Mm -hmm. this emotional aspect, whereas this is purely fiscal. It's just like if you invest, you will get more money. There's no Mm -hmm. other part to it. Mm -hmm. Very famous recent case of a young person Mm -hmm. being accused of crimes. His collaborator or co-worker, Ellison, also is facing 110 years worth of jail. 110 years worth of jail as a young person. Martin Shkreli Mm -hmm. or Farmer Bro. He's another person who's made this list previously in 2012. Mm -hmm. Guilty of raising the price of the drug Daraprim, which mm-hmm. is an anti-parasitic drug that right. many people mm-hmm. use from 1750 US 
seventeen dollars fifty to seven hundred and fifty US dollars. My math isn't great, but that's at least a few hundred percent increase in price. So he became famous for this. And he was skewing all these congressional hearings and mm-hmm. he didn't seem to care and he made a lot of money as a result of this. And he went to jail and now he's back in the news because he was basically banned from ever working in the pharmaceutical industry again. Mm-hmm. And now he's back. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes, yeah. founder of Theranos, mm-hmm. the company that said a drop of blood will let you do a million blood tests, mm-hmm. which I wish was true, but Not clearly really isn't. That a lot, yes. <laughs> a, lot, a lot from just one yeah. single mm-hmm. blood drop. Also, Trevor Milton. Mm-hmm who was, I guess, a failed version of Tesla. He was at the helm of an electric truck maker company. Nikola Motor. Nikola Motor. I think instead of Tesla, Nikola Tesla, I think that's the play on on words. I'm trying to be a competitor of Tesla. Mm -hmm. And what is his claim to fame? I had a laugh when I read this. The article says, perhaps most notably, Nikola made a demo video showing its non-functional truck rolling downhill but tilted the camera to make it look like it was traveling under its own power on a flat road through that young-minded ingenuity genius genius from the tiktok moving the phone he knew that it worked right it worked so if amanda is sitting perfectly still and i just tilt the camera and post i can make it seem like she's gradually moving from one part of the screen to the other part of the screen gradually exiting the room through Mm post-production wizardry Mm -hmm. it is very easy apparently to fake Mm -hmm. you need a good set of values underlying it, I guess. Like faking has never been easier, right? Now with yeah, AI, yeah, now with all sure. this imagery, it comes down to the the morality and mm-hmm. the integrity down the lines of all of these young entrepreneurs. Do you want to see a linear regression of age versus number of fraud cases accused of? If yes. you're going to go down this lane and say mm-hmm. young people are particularly guilty of fraud, mm-hmm. but they do point out this dilemma that we've been trying to articulate in a number of ways in this episode, which is yeah. young people are under more pressure than they've ever been under. Mm-hmm. We have a relative amount of success between the two of us in our relative fields. I think if you want a person who is just entering our fields now to get into our current positions, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know what I would tell them because I mm-hmm. think that door is very, very narrow to get into any competitive position in our field. Mm-hmm. And I don't think if they just did what I did, they would be able to get to my yeah. position. I just mm-hmm. don't think that's mm-hmm. available to them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's become more and the more... The climate keeps changing, right? Keeps changing. It becomes more competitive. Mm-hmm. And what this article was saying is that there is fetishization of youth and this 30 under 30 list puts pressure that you have to achieve great things mm-hmm. while you're still under 30 or you've wasted your life. And that pressure may amount to a corruption, mm-hmm. the morality or mm-hmm. a deprioritization of the integrity that you need to do something that doesn't get you thrown in jail. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I had finished my PhD not that long before 30, so a few years prior. And I tell my students all the time, there's nothing positive Mm -hmm. about being young in science. Mm -hmm. Nothing positive at all. You Mm -hmm. get disrespected as a young scientist consistently because no one trusts young people. We've talked about this. They think you don't have age on your side. I can't tell you the number of times I've been shushed after (laughs) one of my classes by the next professor coming in because they think I'm a student that's taking up space. They Mm -hmm. think, oh, you're a young person. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in my grill? Get out of here. Mm -hmm. And so I've been dismissed so many times Mm -hmm. because of my age, even though I'm pretty well educated and have an authority (laughs) on a number of topics. People just don't take young people seriously Mm -hmm. in rather more formal, rigorous Mm -hmm. professions like academia, like many, many of the other professions. Mm -hmm. Don't be in a rush to get to where you need to go, but have a plan for your next five years. If you've got a five-year plan, that's better than most people. Absolutely. Which brings me to crossover (laughs) of the week. My attempt at trying to rally us home Mm -hmm. and have a more positive tilt on how young people should navigate this environment. But it does begin with a sobering headline again. Your next job interview could be judged by AI. Here's how to prepare. 
your next job interview will not even give you the dignity of having a human panel <laughs> assess you. your competency. It'll just be software algorithm mm-hmm. robots that you'll get judged by dispassionately and mm-hmm. they'll spit out some kind of score for you and you, they'll decide whether you get a job or not. It's not quite like that just yet, but I don't think we're that far away from it because the article does paint some sobering statistics. How it typically goes... Mm-hmm is you come in to your interview Mm -hmm. and this interview room will not have any people in it or you could be doing it from home remote. Sure. You might hear a prompt for a question, mm-hmm. which may be narrated to you from a human operator or it could be a godlike robotic voice that booms <laughs> in of your headphones. <laughs> or Morgan Freeman. <laughs> uh, if they've got the budget for Morgan Freeman, they probably wouldn't be hiring you, right? <laughs> so to ask you a series of questions, autonomously, robotic-like, you yeah. give your responses, mm-hmm. you are filmed in some capacity mm-hmm. or recorded, certainly your audio, and that's sent through to an AI processing algorithm to weed things out like obvious miscues incorrect responses Mm. awkwardness on camera and that's hard isn't it because you rely a lot on that face-to-face social cues and presumably the statistics Mm -hmm. say that it's not 100 percent of organizations Mm -hmm. that are using ai in their recruitment process between 20 and 50 percent of organizations globally some part of the recruitment process yeah Mm -hmm. so if there were 100 people applying for this one position they might have ai filter out the first Mm -hmm. round that's Mm -hmm. right and that would save the organization a lot of money yeah hopefully for the final round you speak to a human Mm -hmm. but you might not get to that second phase. Blaming TikTok for blaming young people on their phones, <laughs> ruining technology, ruining everything. The organizations which are run by adults. Yep, that's right. We're thinking of co-opting mm-hmm. this technology mm-hmm. to make it much harder for young people yeah. to find work. But let's end on some concrete tips for okay. job interviews, mm-hmm. whether they be handled by humans mm-hmm. or AI. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that you would say makes you the most nervous heading to a job interview? Not being prepared, not feeling prepared, not knowing the answer to a question. So not knowing the kind of questions mm-hmm. they might ask you and mm-hmm. therefore not knowing how to prepare for those questions. Right. Feeling really stumped in the yep. middle of the interview. Mm-hmm. Looking dumb. Yeah, looking dumb. Absolutely. There's a real quick fix for that. Mm-hmm. You could Google the most common interview questions that are asked Mm -hmm. for your job, Mm -hmm. plug those questions into AI. Yes. You could get AI to generate a human-sounding response, Mm -hmm. not reading it out or repeating it, Mm -hmm. but using it as inspiration. inspiration. Mm -hmm. So you've got like an assistant to say, Mm -hmm. oh, well, this is my response to this question. How can I augment it to Mm -hmm. accentuate this part of my skill set? You could have a sounding board. I still think it's more effective to workshop this with someone who's a human. Yes. So if you had the capacity in the network to do so, you could ask a superior. Mm-hmm. Maybe not your parents is my recommendation because your parents <laughs> have a bias. They either think you're too great or they think you're too bad. If you're Asian, odds are your parents think you're a little worse than you maybe really are. Or they, they like to tell you you're so great to your face. So family members is a little harder. Certainly siblings is a really hard one, right? I don't think siblings can give impartial feedback to their younger or older brothers appropriate level of disdain i'm sure yeah yeah so so i guess if you want tough medicine then that would be a good sounding board but having someone who's got a job in a similar field or a different field asking them to do mock interviews with you is very very helpful but yeah you could also use ai to help with that yeah. if it's a online interview mm-hmm. which i've been a part of both i've been interviewed online i've sat in panels where we were interview people mm-hmm. online that is a completely different board and what you're nervous about there often shouldn't be the thing that you're nervous about. If you're nervous about not answering a question correctly in an online interview setting, you could just have a device, a set of your practice responses Mm -hmm. 
and you're choosing from mm-hmm. the one that you've pre-prepared for, mm-hmm. right? So you've got a few options you can go with. And depending on the question, you've already got a few ideas mapped out. Maybe not uh, fully written out paragraph because it's pretty obvious if you're, if you're reading. reading. Yes. But you could have visual aids mm-hmm. that the other side can't see, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe that fear of not knowing the answer to a question shouldn't be the one that you have. The fear you should have if it's an online interview is not looking into the camera or looking a little weird. So I'm going to look into the camera now. If I was looking just a little bit uh, higher, so I'm going to look above the line of sight of the camera, Mm -hmm. I'm going to look like this, right? So on camera now, my IQ has dropped roughly 50 points. I'm looking like I'm staring into space like a vacant child. Whereas when looking into the camera, it seems like I'm a serious candidate for the position. (laughs) line of sight you don't know what your line of sight looks like Mm -hmm. until you've recorded yourself on your webcam and Mm -hmm. see what it looks like Mm -hmm. the other one is not as bad the other direction but it's it's not very flattering if you're looking down the camera like this Mm -hmm. and if your webcam is positioned too low you might be able to hear them better because usually the microphone's like close to the bottom right but if your webcam is pointing you've got a double chin not the most flattering you look like Jabba the Hutt Mm -hmm. So that's more of a, of a vanity one. And if you're applying so, for a senior management role, then mm-hmm. appearance is actually quite important. So you kind of want to position your laptop or your webcam at the line of sight mm-hmm. so that it seems like you're talking to them rather than looking like a vacant child not knowing where to look and or not knowing how to make appropriate eye contact. Mm-hmm. Some people can't make eye contact for more than like two seconds. It would be even worse if I just like looked like this the whole time, didn't want to make eye contact with the computer. It would just look really weird. The other thing is if they can even hear you. Sorry, can you... Um, can you, can you repeat the question? I didn't quite, didn't quite catch the last mm-hmm. bit. Or even worse, they keep answering the question and they can't hear when we say, okay, that, that's quite enough. Like, we can move on. That's quite it's, enough. It's, it's, <laughs> I say, oh, that's interesting. Let's move on. So, so having good audio mm-hmm. and good mm-hmm. visuals is really, really important. Yeah. You could go really deep down this rabbit hole and say, well, what's the most flattering light for my skin tone? <laughs> what's the most impressive, you know, Star Wars figurines I could have in my background or something, you know, appropriate. Depends on the job, might be appropriate. But wear the same clothes you would for an in-person mm-hmm. job interview, suit and tie yeah. or, or corporate dress, whatever mm-hmm. you want. I think the most important thing is making good eye contact with the camera mm-hmm. and having good audio and being able to hear them. Generally speaking, you want to be as close to the microphone as possible. If your microphone is the one built into your computer, you're set up to fail right there because you're going to be trying to talk really close to your laptop screen. It's going to look weird. Mm-hmm. Try to invest a few bucks into a microphone that can be positioned further away from your laptop so then it won't seem so obvious if you're not looking at them, if you're looking in a weird direction. Have your audio source a bit further away from your webcam so that you can have this benefit of seeming more professional. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's quite enough. <laughs> You've talked quite enough, you TikTokery. <laughs> Have quite enough of your TikTokery this episode, Jack. Getting a question wrong is not the end of the world. It's actually if you respond very badly to a question or you give the right answer, but you seem a bit defensive, a bit aggressive in your response. Like, how, how could you ask me that? Yeah, that's be problematic. Too, that's way more of, of a red flag. It's mm-hmm. your temperament they're looking mm-hmm. for rather than what you're saying a lot of the time. So. Especially if they can see what's on paper already, right? They've seen your, your accomplishments on paper. It's more how you present yourself, isn't it? I think it goes a long way to being competitive for a job. You would hope it's not the be all and end all, but I think it's more important than you might you might think in a lot of fields. If you're a young scientist, a young researcher, mm-hmm. or any young person trying to get a job, I really recommend that you try and make videos. Maybe not start a YouTube channel, but making videos is a very humbling process. Watching yourself on camera talk is a very self-defeating, yet reflective and important process. You know, and this has been a great exercise for me personally as well, I would say. Being on the podcast, mm-hmm. it's been a good mm-hmm. exercise for you. You get to wrangle with all your vocal tics. Have we said that's right <laughs> that's a little right. less? 
<laughs> a little less this episode. Hopefully, 10% less is all we're aiming for. I think I went longer without saying it this time. The proof will be in the pudding. Yes. That's hopefully a more positive stint on how we can take this forward if you're a young person. Mm-hmm. Know that technology is on your side simultaneously as well as against you. Know that grown-ups and older organizations will use the technology to their advantage. Try and put your best foot forward. Try and have a three to five-year plan for what you're studying or what you're working on Mm -hmm. and focus on the human connection. That is what's going to take you forward into any job setting, any interview setting. It's how you respond to people that will make the difference in the end. That's it for yet another episode of Crossover Connections with Jack Wayne. You can find the episodes on YouTube, the full video version as well as the audio version on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All the links to all the various versions of the podcast will be in the show notes or the YouTube link as well. My name is Jack. Thanks for listening. And I'm Amanda. Hope to connect with you again next time around.